Be thou my vision. Come on, Hannah, sing it with me. Oh, Lord of my... What is it? Oh, Lord of my heart, mm -hmm. but all else be not to me save as thou art. You got it. You got it. Take it away. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping. Something about presence, delight, something like that. Welcome you to Pints and Perspectives, <laughs> where we love to sing hymns because Cullen hates it. One of these days, I'm just begging for one of these videos. And just the comments are just littered with people dragging Adam's never, ass never. for his terrible, terrible hymn choices. Hey, terrible hymn choices. Be Thou My Vision is like the hymn. It, it, it's it, not it, the doxology. It, what are you talking about? This is what I was about to say. It's, it's like, pretty close. It's like it's like <laughs> doxology. Um, what's the one written by the slave trader? Um, uh, Amazing oh, Grace. Oh, oh. Amazing <laughs> Grace. Oh, that's not the one I was thinking. Okay. And then be thou my vision. These are nah, these, dude. these are the these are the songs. Nah, dude. Are you, are you, Name uh, a more popular hymn. I'll fly away. That's not a. That's not a hymn. That is absolutely a hymn. The original version of the song was written in like 1883 or something. Okay. Agree to disagree. Um, that's some real like Billy Graham hymn stuff, man. That's some like Baptist hymn stuff. Well, well you were the one who's like, I got Baptist hymnals from the 1800s. To be fair, it's the spiritual. So let's, let's not knock it. Like let's 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 listen to it in context of liberation theology. Okay. All right, and welcome Hannah Smith to the podcast, <laughs> well, everyone. I'm just saying. I'm I'm just saying. Um, it's quite gnostic in its theological thought process. Be that my From, vision? No. Oh. Um, I'll, fly I'll fly away. away. Oh yeah, right. Oh, it's escapism. It's uh, it's theological escapism. Well, you know, from these prison bars, I'll fly away. So. Yeah, that's because it's a spiritual. All right. Hey, welcome to uh, Pints and Perspectives. Uh, we're going to drink beer now. Um, and so let's go one by one, starting with Kalan. What is this? What are you drinking? Um, the Jabberwocky. Yes, it is. Mm. The Imperial India Pale Ale. Uh -huh. So uh, do you know why they call it Imperial when it's a double IPA? It's the same thing. No, I know. But do you know why? I just thought it was interchangeable names. Because it's two I's? Imperial IPA? If you know in the comments, let us know. I just um, thought they were interchangeable. I have no idea. I just always know that a double IPA is an Imperial IPA. Yeah. Uh, this from Lone Pipe uh, Brewing, Magnolia, Texas. What uh, else? What? Uh, yeah. Magnolia. Magnolia. Does that make you feel some kind of yeah. way? Hannah? No, it's just it's very local. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like, try to, we try like, to support local around here. Um, Whole. Tell them more. Eight and a half ABV. 114 IBUs. I bought it for Cullinan specifically. Oh. I was at the store. I think uh, it, it, they only release it ever so ever so often. I think I don't think it's annual. Um, I've had it many times. Um, it's <laughs> it is an IPA of IPAs. Um, and so I was like, man, I bet Cullen hasn't had this. I have not. And um, I'm just saying, 114. On the IBU scale, IBU stands for International Bitterness Unit. If you didn't know, it is literally a scale made up for beer to measure the hops, the bitterness mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. 114 is lit. Litty, uh, litty, too fitty. Yeah, no joke. That is like off the charts. Would you describe it? Fuck. 
yes, that's correct. Would you describe it as a monster of a beer? Uh, I haven't tasted it yet, but I would imagine it is a monstrosity. Well, you should, because a Jabberwocky is uh, is a reference to a 1970s monster flick. Um, that's why they named it that. So. Well, I'm trying to find it, and it's not in the limited releases. <sighs> Maybe it's not a limited release. I don't know. I've had it on tap. I don't think it's I've a ever- core brew. It's a what? It's a core brew. Okay, core they brew. They keep it around. Okay, tell us more. It says, akin to the Jub-Jub Bird and Bandersnatch, the Jabberwocky is strong, intimidating, and to be feared. However, once slain with a Vorpal sword, that is true. It's there a is mo- a hop dragon thing. It's a movie. With it's, a sword through it. This um, is a play on a 1970s movie. Uh, sword of the Prince. That, what's that uh, what? Disney movie? Uh, what? The one about the sword? Uh, King the Arthur's sword? Court, bro? <laughs> Never mind. Like Star Wars? No. <laughs> However, once slain with a vorpal like sword, it becomes an enticingly enticing, well-balanced Imperial IPA. I don't know how that's possible with 114 <laughs> IBUs. It is not uh, well-balanced. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> hast, hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Yeah, there you go. 8.5. Uh, Columbus and Citra hops. Uh, house yeast. That's just going to be a normal American ale yeast. Yep. Um Golden Promise and Pilsner Malt. This Malt. is not. This is not going to be balanced. It's not going to be balanced. The, the this fact is that about to knock. I'm about to get punched in the face with hop gloves. You know what? Okay, so I say that the best IPA in Texas is Yellow Rose Lone Pine Smash IPA. So this is the Imperial IPA from the same brewer. Uh, I think you're going to like it very much. No, I think it's one of the Imperial IPAs. Do they have the multiple? I don't really drink a lot of Real L, even though we did it on the last episode. Hannah, what beer are you drinking? This is also a Real Ale. Oh, that's right. Um, that's Magnolia. Anyways, yeah, Real Ale. Okay. Cruiser All Year Beer. Cruiser All Year Beer. Does it give you a uh, style? Hannah is not our uh, beer aficionado. Um, Alcohol? No. <laughs> it does. It's a Kolsch. Yeah, it's a Kolsch. It's that word oh. under the title. Yeah, Kolsch. Yeah, it um. is It is 4.5% alcohol by volume with 18 IBUs, which means that it is very low on the uh, bitterness scale. See, they also have the double yellow rose. Oh, yes, I've had that. It's and incredible. So that's two Imperials. Um, so crisp, delicate, and perfectly drinkable, the hybrid style. Like me. Uh, crisp, and del- crisp and delicate. Yeah, she just pours that beer right down the middle of that glass. Did y'all see that? <laughs> uh, Look at the head on that thing. My <laughs> God. <laughs> Out the can. She's. You've never watched an episode of our uh, of our podcast, huh? Mm-mm. You have no idea all the graphics and how much fun we have when uh, people say beer head. Um, <laughs> Chris, delicate and perfectly drinkable. This hybrid style of beer walks the line between an ale and a lager. That is, yes. So fermentation at the lower temperature range for ale yeast creates a slightly dry, bright finish, void of the more fruity esters typically associated with ale yeast. Um, crack open and lean your head back and set the cruise control. I think that is a reference to drinking and driving, which we denounce. Yeah, not um, about that here. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, and then I'm drinking Carbach. So we've got three Texas beers. 
except for, I guess, Carbach is no longer technically a Texas beer because they sold out like a bunch of punks, which everyone makes note of all the time. But <laughs> this is their Rodeo Clown varietal, uh, but tropical version. So the Rodeo Clown for Carbach is a staple, um, and it is their like double IPA. It's their Imperial IPA, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, because Rodeo Clown is the double. Rodeo Clown this is, is the, the double. And well, no, rodeo clown. This is the tropical Im- imperial tropical. This ha- this is the rodeo clown with some tropical fruit adjuncts. Yeah, great, excellent. So it's another what run of the rodeo clown. I like to use the word varietal. I, I like to use the word varietal because that's what the wine people use. They use this term varietal. Which well, I, I we're not in the why. wine world. We're in the beer world. Hey, man, I'm trying to, you know, elevate things a little bit, okay? Well, you know, so, the beer um, world's not quite as pretentious as the wine world, and I'd kind of like to keep it out. that way. Get out, white man drinking beer on a podcast. Are <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> the, the, I, would, I, I grew up a cowboy drinking beer at eight years old. Not, I, not Imperial I, Tropical I IPAs. Not, I am not uppity. Uh, uh, it wasn't craft beers. You were drinking friggin' um, uh, Keystone Light. Ice. Keystone Light. Okay. Um, so this is a version of the Rodeo Clown, which is like a whole thing over at Carbach. Uh, it's a job and a dangerous one at that. There's no question that a Rodeo Clown puts their life at stake every time they step onto the soft arena dirt. That's why even the clowns deserve a little time to kick their boots up and relax with the best Imperial Tropical IPA. They may not ride a bull, but they can catch this tropical IPA wave featuring aromas of mango, pineapple, and citrus with the dankness. Dank. Um, if you didn't know, that's a that's a that's a cannabis word. That's a cannabis term. Uh, two row barley, citra, comet, mosaic, and galaxy. Ooh. Uh, do you know much about galaxy hops? No. I'd be interested to know what you think. Uh, 40 IBUs, 9% alcohol by volume. Um, cheers, friends. Cheers. All right, give me some feedback. Hannah, what do you think about that beer? It's ite. It's easy to drink. She said it's ite. I like the other one better. Is it, would you okay. say, Great crush, to know. would you say crushable? Crushable. Definitely. Crushable. Um, yes. So, Kolsch, they're kind of like a Pilsner. They are very light. They're easy to drink. Uh, that's why I gave it to you because it's also like kind of the other end of the spectrum from what yeah. you had last time. And so now it's like, okay, you like bold flavors. You want lots of things. You don't want to just like sip through something almost like no. just a little bit more than water. Yeah. Uh, good to know. All right. Uh, <laughs> Hannah's back, friends. Uh, my first time meeting her, actually, and she's dope. So uh, we move along. Uh, what's your thoughts? There is... Uh so I just literally put my nose in it because it smells so good. Uh, I haven't actually tasted my beer yet, but um, there is this mango puree. Um, what is the thing? What is the thing? Uh, mango nada. Mango nada. It, this smells like a mango nada. Um, and it's just full of fruit notes. Um, yeah. Would you say that those fruit notes tend to be quite peachy? Guava-like and orange-like. I, I think a guava is a fake fruit. Um, I'm, I'm a it's little definitely not a fake agreed. fruit. <laughs> it's a very real fruit. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> 
I mean, real in the sense that it exists, uh, but not that in is the, the definition of real. <laughs> not, not in the sense that I want it in my uh, fruit salad, though. You know what I'm oh, saying? Like, heard. yeah, guava's yeah, not yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. I don't like guava at all whatsoever. Raw guava. I mean, I guess like imitation guava could be good or whatever. But uh, honestly, the biggest note I get off of this, even while drinking, is mango. I just get mango nose. I get mango flavors on the palate. Um, the uh, it says forty IBUs, but I'm actually I want to say that this is far more balanced. Um, it is not very hop forward. It is, of course, it's an imperial, right? So we know these things. It's still sweet. The hops is kind of lost until the finish. Um, it's got a great color. Um, it's got a great head. I mean, it's a, it's an all-around good beer. I mean, Rodeo Clown is one of my favorite beers on the planet. Uh, I don't think I would ever purchase this, though. I don't really love all the fruits in the IPA kind of, unless you're talking about the... Uh, that one from Back Pew, Tanuki. Tanuki. Oh, my God. Which they just did a new, <laughs> I talk about this beer a lot on this podcast, but they just did a new uh, art release, the, the new can art, brand new can art for Tanuki. Just bought, just bought a six-pack yesterday. Anyways, really? What does it look like now? It's a lot more. Is it still um, the raccoon samurai guy? It's definitely a raccoon samurai, but the color scheme is a bit brighter rather oh. than, I don't know. Anyways. I fuck with it. Okay, what uh, what do you drink? Oh, uh, uh, you didn't give your beer a rating, Hannah. Rate your beer. Five. Okay, right in the middle of the road. Nice. All right. Let's see. You you're like an aficionado now. You're like the other one was like nine point twelve. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like five. Man, yep, it's eight. Yep. It's eight. Uh, I'm gonna give this a six and a half. Look, um, I'm not sure where you get in that mango flavor you keep talking about. I mean, it says it on the website, but I don't. Yeah, know. but I don't know where they're getting it because did they mention that it was an adjunct? Because it's not coming from any of the hops. It says IPA wave featuring aromas of mango, pineapple, and citrus, and with the dankness. I um, love guava. I mean, I, I love galaxy hops because uh, I really love like stone fruit IPAs. Like a peach IPA is one of my favorite things. And so galaxy produces that peachy oh, guava kind of flavor. Okay. That's why I was wondering if you were... Sure, I mean, I guess there's some peach notes there. I mean, it's like freaking citrus fruit. There's a lot of peach whatever. notes there. I've had that beer before. There's a lot of peach notes there. I get my peaches from Carbock. Okay, you going to talk about your beer now? What are we doing? Did you here? rate yours? Oh. Yeah. Six and a half. 6.5. Half. 6.5. 6.5. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with Adam on this. Um. It's more balanced than I expected it to be. Oh, well, there you go. For 114 IBUs, I would expect to be salivating with just like <laughs> hot bitterness coating my mouth. Yeah. Um, I'm not. It drinks like it's a 75 IBU beer. Okay. Um, and I'm actually quite surprised they achieved that based on the malts that they use because they're lighter malt. You can see the it's color. It's light malts. Yeah. Uh, the Love Bar is not high on this beer. Um would you do you, I mean, but is it an Imperial IPA in your mind? Oh, 1000%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. there's no question. So it's got a lot of malt forwardness and, but well, the, it's got a lot. Yeah, it has a ton of hops. Um, it, it does balance. That is the whole point of an Imperial. The reason people don't do it is because it makes it boozy. Um, the more you boil it, the more wort you produce, the more sugar you have, bad the more boozy you get, the more big bad boozy you get. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think it's overall good. Um, <clears throat> I think it's 
This is great radio. Yeah, seven six. It, it's just a seven good, six. It's just a good double. I'm yeah. a I'm a big fan of anything they release uh, from Lone Pint. So um, I think you were the first one to give me a Smash IPA. Yeah, um, it is your like it is your. I can almost bet every time I go to Adam's house and go to the beer fridge, there's going to be a Smash in there. It'll 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 be Yellow Rose. It'll be Yellow Rose, yeah, because I, I love it so much. Oh, I also love the can art going on with the Jumper Walking. Yeah, so the the purple uh, and green. That's my vibe. The slay the slaying of the hop dragon uh, is dope. 114 <laughs> IBUs. Um, it okay. is a hop dragon. Okay, so did you rate it? All right, cheers, friends. You did. Yeah, seven, yeah six. Okay, did. moving on here. We're on episode two. A lot of beer. Um, we're here to talk to Hannah. Hannah Smith. Hannah, Hannah drove Smith. over here so that we could talk to her. Hannah. What are you, um, not to put all your business in the streets, but what's the next move for you career-wise right now? Yeah, so um, I am. Considering? No, I'm I'm going. Oh, right. I'm, I'm even like a month. <gasps> so I'm moving to Austin. Oh. Um, I know. Yeah. I am doing a re- seminary redo um redo. to yeah. redo what an interesting way like, i did that yeah, yeah i mean he did it too but go ahead just keep going keep going um so i am pursuing um holy orders in the episcopal church so three years from now i will be priest in the episcopal church um you wouldn't be considered a priestess i was fixing to ask you, you can make that differentiation? call me whatever you want yeah hey. so there's lots of women priests that go by father Really? Yes. It's Tradition like, is wild. But they do it like ironically and uh, I love it. Um okay. but Mother Hannah, Father Hannah. Oh, I'm totally whatever. calling you Father Hannah. Yeah. Get out. You're gonna mm-hmm. be Father Hannah forever. Yeah. yeah. Hannah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. If I have permission to do so. Go for it. Um okay. Is that is that common for female um priests to be called mother? What is common, I guess, yeah. is the question, right? It, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Are female priests common? In 2023, um, you know, I feel like most people call their pastor or priest by their first name. Yeah, um, good giving point. someone yeah, yeah, yeah. a title, it's not, it's kind of fallen out of fashion. That's yeah. a great point. But um, you're gonna be Hannah. Yeah, I'm gonna be Hannah. You'll be Hannah. That's right. But I will secretly love it when someone calls me Father Hannah. Well, I know what I'm going to call you from now on. Um, So Hannah and I, uh, in case you didn't catch the last episode, Hannah and I went to a seminary together at um, George W. Truett Theological Seminary at Baylor University. Uh, Super long name. And we were there. We overlapped the whole time. Um, um, And so we're friends on Instagram Mm -hmm. for that same reason. Um, And so let me read to you her bio on Instagram. (laughs) Um, It says, Hannah... Well, her, her, her handle is Hannah. Oh, yeah. A Gen, oh, yeah. A Gen Zer told me that handle is like not the appropriate way to refer to people's. Your uh, at or your, your account Your name. at or your account name. Apparently, handle has fallen out of vogue with the children. I don't care. So. I will still always call it the handle. Um, this is what Hannah s- says. Um, Episco Disco <laughs> Hospital Chaplain. And I will note the hyphen between Episco Disco. We're going to spend a moment on that for a second. Um, what? I love it. I'm a funky Episcopalian. Yes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, because not your grandma's Episcopal. <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother was a racist Southern Baptist. Okay, well, okay. Um, 
Um, uh, okay, okay, uh, I, I get it, I get it. That's fun. Did you come up with that on your own? Did you? Did you? Um, are there other Episcopalians? Colloquially, okay. colloquially, that's what we like to call ourselves. Okay, so in the last episode, you referred to yourself as a an Episcopalian who still likes to get down. Or no, 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 no. you were like Kara's Episcopal, 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 Episco Disco, similar. Episco yeah. Disco. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Just with some more um, drugs. Yeah, no nice. drugs. Nineteen seventy in this bitch. Goggles <laughs> wild. Um, okay, we Hannah should not move to Austin. <laughs> um, uh, next to that, next to that opening line, there is um, an emoji of a dove, a peace sign, and a disco ball. I that is the vibe. I love it. I love it. Okay, second line of the bio. You ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Um, Folk. We follow each other. I know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm giving it to the people because it's, it's brilliant. Folk spirituality, comma, death, comma, and incarceration. Incarnation. That might be a spelling error. That says incarceration. <laughs> Someone put the dead emoji That's on hilarious. every face. I'm so glad you pointed that out. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Dead. <laughs> oh. I'm like, spirituality, death, and incarceration. Incarcerated. <laughs> These are the things I am against. <laughs> I am, I mean, she forgot the oh anti. <laughs> anti folks, anti death, anti incarceration. I have to change that before y'all. Oh! Oh! <laughs> I've been drinking too much. <laughs> Hannah, oh yeah, okay. friends. Well, I need like a napkin or something. Okay, um, okay, you go get a, uh, Cullen's gonna go get a napkin, but we're gonna keep it's recording. Fine. So help me understand um, <laughs> folk spirituality, death, and incarnation. Embodied faith, embodied practice, embodied okay. spirituality, yeah. So I, much of what I do as a chaplain. When I hear folk spirituality, though, mm-hmm. And maybe this is like my racism showing. Oh, okay. It, I get I get a negative connotation. Interesting. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I guess I'm reading it through the lens of like I was raised in folk religion, and what I mean by that is like um, evangelical Southern mm-hmm. Baptist conservative, um, where folk meaning uh, uh, anti-intellectual and uneducated mm. and really just like um, c- a, a cultural contextual set. But maybe that's what you mean too. Yeah. 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 Okay, say more. I, I hear like to me, folk religion is the opposite of imperialistic orthodox systems that have been passed down. That Got have, it. Like required that we believe a certain way in order to have um any kind of um justifiable relationship or experience of the divine okay that's really problematic for me wow like it all feel i mean i i've said that again and again but all theology is contextual right and it has to be and so if it's not folk it's not you're it's um what is that word where you're like um elitist well the word where you're um like i've been drinking um <laughs> where you're like you take on someone else's cultural traditions oh appropriation. Uh, appropriation. appropriation right so to me anything that's not folk is just reappropriating a, a different kind of culture right yeah. it's it's not authentic it's not that's not 
your context. That's so interesting. That's a great point because like, I think one of the biggest critiques of um, Western evangelicalism is actually like uh, anti-Semitic <laughs> mm, <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's an appropriation of a Jewish religion and then like totally bastardized yeah. and colonized. Right. Yeah. Um, so death. That's what I do. I mean, all day long. Say it's more, like, say more. yeah, I mean, so most of my job as a hospital chaplain is like being present for death, um, witnessing, bearing witness to it. And um, helping people find peace in the process. Yeah. Um, and I have come to a place in my life where I have wrestled with mortality, as we all are. Yeah, sure. Nobody ever, like, I think fully, completely is done wrestling with the concept of, or the reality of the mor their eventual mortality. Um, but I, there's something very sacred in that space mm. of, like, being in that actual moment of yeah. death um, that I think tells us a lot about the divine yeah. and what God, what God means to us and how we experience God. Um, that is really nuts to think about that. Like we know more about God in the hour of our death than we mm. do in the life that we live. It's mm. like God becomes the truth of who God is and how God and what God means to us becomes yeah. evident and like manifest at that very last moment. Um, and I just, I see, especially as someone who's like a millennial, who's young, who's like had a shit ton of theological education. We spend so much time doing mental gymnastics, talking yeah. about who God is yeah. and like, and we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, like at all, because we're not actually faced with our mortality, right? Okay. Like we don't, we are not, unless you are like actively wrestling with like, your own extinction yeah 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 like your annihilation as a human as a person as a being as a consciousness like unless you're constantly wrestling with that like i don't think you can say anything substantial about who god is what uh, god's relationship is to us girl you're already leaning into the third line of your bio and, and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot away from that conversation because now that's... tell us about incarceration <laughs> <laughs> After that police. <laughs> <laughs> blue line my ass <laughs> <laughs> hold on, let me hold on, hold on. Let me go back. Let me go back to this death thing real quick. Okay, I, I, before we move on, we so, were talking about cops. It seems appropriate. That's correct. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Hands up, don't shoot. Um, we've had conversations about the concept of death, the, uh, theological con uh, conversations about the concept of death. Um, would you, as a Pentecostal, um, and now as an Episcopalian who is trained in a Baptist <laughs> seminary, I love it. What is death? Like, is death uh, commonly death is referred to as the enemy, mm. or like the the thing, yeah. um, the the greatest manifestation of like the opposite of God's will, or yeah. like the brokenness of like God's created order, or like you know, death is just like it's bad. Yeah, is is that how? But that's not how you feel, is it? I don't know how else to. <laughs> with that without being a little bit vulnerable oh sure um, well. so the reason why i became a chaplain is because my youngest brother died like mm. it was completely random he's 21 literally just like we found him in bed he'd oh been there gosh. for a while i'm so sorry um and i was on top of my i did um student ministry for a while and i was at this church where like in the span of a year there was like so much death like my students witness their parents um into their life wow. um there was i had students that um their siblings passed away and so i was just really and then the culmination of that was my own brother died yeah so just really struggling with 
um, like existentially, what does it mean to not exist anymore? Yeah. Like, how can you just be and then not? Like, I don't understand that. Um, it, and really wondering, um, is it, it felt um, oppressive? Like, yeah. that to be to be left um, someone. Is that is that our time? No, you're good. No, um, that's prayer time. Yeah. <laughs> to be the the someone who's left over of someone else dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And so th- that was a big reason why I um, pursued chaplaincy was I really wanted to continue wrestling with mortality and um, try to wrap my head around um, the purpose of death in our lives. Okay. We had a technical difficulty just before that little weird interruption where we... And we hate it because Hannah was on a beautiful monologue that Adam ruined. How did I ruin it? Because your timer went off and we couldn't figure out what it was. See, see, this is an abusive work environment. Um, (laughs) Neither one of us get paid. It's not work. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, incarnation. I think I get this one though. Yeah. Say more. (laughs) (laughs) It's your bio. No, I mean like, uh, I would imagine as a hospital chaplain, Mm -hmm. uh, with people on their deathbed, um, that, that is so, okay. As a pastor, Mm -hmm. I have been in the hospital room Mm -hmm. where they like unplugged the Mm -hmm. thing. I have been in the room where like, People have said their last goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there. Not as frequently as you have or under the most, I would assume, crazy circumstances that you've seen this happen. But in those moments, I would agree with you. Um, those are the moments of incarnation mm-hmm. where you can be. Um, <laughs> I've done it a lot, actually, in, in, especially when I lived outside of Waco. But like you can be present with individuals in their worst yeah, like worst experience of their entire lifetime, yeah. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, hardest, saddest. I mean, all the emotions, anger, yeah. fear, uh, everything, right? Um, and you are like this one representative of, might I say, hope mm-hmm. and, yep. and peace. Yep. Um, and that feels real Jesus-like, mm-hmm. which I'm getting around to incarnation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Is that, I mean. Yeah, yeah, there's something very embodied, I think. Embodied, yeah. Yeah, it's not just the presence of, like, the God person in the room, but there's quite literally, like, a spiritual transformation yeah. that's happening in the person dying, right? It's, like, from one side of eternity to the other is happening in the moment. Yeah. Um, and that's, that that process, that, like, spiritual transition that they're making is, um feels it's incarnational right there's like a the divine is so potent in the room um any thoughts on uh folk spirituality folk spirituality death incarnation and (laughs) incarceration well i was i was getting a napkin for folk spirituality so i missed that Um, well i okay yeah keep going death We've talked about it a lot. I could talk a lot about death. We'll we'll move along because there's something else I want to talk about. Okay. Third line Mm -hmm. and final line (laughs) of the uh, Instagram bio and my favorite line. I don't know. I mean, Episco Disco was just like. Uh, That was. Yeah, that's money. (laughs) That Yeah. And, you know, F the police. Uh, But (laughs) third line says uh, apophatic as fuck. P-H-U-C-K. 
uh, with a P-H. <laughs> yeah, P-H-U-C-K. As if that it, somehow changes. Yeah, I got to keep it a little, you know. Yeah, PG. A PG, yeah. <laughs> nah, okay. My okay. Instagram bio says people say I'm on my bullshit. So. <laughs> we do say that. Um, okay. Spelled the right way. <laughs> just, I'm just setting expectations. On Everybody my, knows what they're in for. On my bullshit with a P-H. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, Hannah. Okay, Hannah. Uh, like, I think all the words in your bio... Uh, I think the average person understands, but yeah. then you get to this third line and you mm-hmm. say apophatic yeah. as PH fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm going to need for you to explain yourself. Yeah. Ma'am. I feel like it, it's a good culmination of all the other words that I use to describe myself. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, first of all, you said you wanted to describe the differences between cataphatic. Why don't you start there? Yeah. So like um, if I'm remembering my theological training well, like apophatic is so uh, apophatic and cataphatic theology are two different ways of uh, of it's their methodologies, their methodologies Methodologies. of theology to talk about, describe, understand, define Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. Uh, and apophatic. It, it, the prefix is a, so it's like a, the negation. The what, negation. Uh, uh, sorry, let me say what God is not yes. is the only way to talk about God. But then, cataphatic ca- is form. Form. There you go. So it's like the an, uh, a negative form. Negative or, form. Or denial of form. Denial. Denial. Yeah. What? Yeah. What it is not, or yeah. what God is not, and then mm-hmm. cataphatic would be the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a theological um, method of talking about what God, or who God, or how God mm-hmm. is, or if God. Or if God, yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> but but you are emphatic mm-hmm. about the apophatic. The you apophatic. see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> because you put the ph fuck on it. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, wanted to, you wanted to say that. Go no, for I'm it. laughing. You can't hear the. Uh, if you if you watched the if you watched one episode uh, <laughs> that came out, I, I shit on Adam as a producer for just. <laughs> Random button pushes and all kinds of shit. <laughs> he just push. tried to push some buttons, and it was a good combination he was going for. But he started with the womp womp, <laughs> <laughs> and it was not intentional. And I see this is why we're best friends. I can't help but bust his balls yeah, when he fine, does dude. something. I just have to. I got to. So right. That's how I was laughing. At. I got, I got, <laughs> he said, "I got the whole womp womp." <laughs> I got there eventually. I got there eventually. Okay, that's what. That's what she said. Okay, you're. Um, <laughs> emphatic about apophatic okay go (laughs) yeah so um i think so much of it is rooted in my kind of journey from pentecostalism into a more um high church tradition which is the the episcopal church um and it's also rooted in like my shit ton of degrees yeah right like i've studied a lot about what god is um, and I'm just frankly not interested in any of those conversations anymore. Nice. Um, also, like being with people again, this goes back to my work as a chaplain on their deathbed. Like all of the conversations we have in seminary or elsewhere about theology are like not relevant to life <laughs> at all. Like, how is so this true. applicable? That's, in, a, that's a great plug for seminary. Those of you that are considering going to seminary, it's if a you lot want of to study applicable. things that like have no relevance <laughs> or like any real life application, go to seminary. They're like, why are we listening to this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. So, so my, I guess, like, journey to a more like 
apophatic spirituality has just been one of being really fed up with lots of things said about god or attributed to god language is really loaded it comes with a lot of baggage 100%. and it's inherently um wrong yeah <laughs> right so much of learning theory and like developmental psychology teaches us to learn anything you have to learn it wrong first mm. um and it's just about like asking the right questions you can't know the right questions to ask or even the next question to ask until you learn the first principle incorrectly right and yeah, it's so good it's like spiral learning right and that's similar how to how we understand god is god too um yeah so uh, my faith these days just looks a lot more apathetic um rather than being cataphatic, um, which is like creeds and yeah. um, saying what God is. So you, so would you, on those lines, would you say that there's like 0% of you that's cataphatic? So like to no. the point that you wouldn't even say like God is alone. No, no, no. Ooh, so so the, the relationship between like being apophatic and cataphatic is they necessitate each other. Okay. That you have to they have. They interpenetrate one another. Absolutely. So like you cannot again this goes back to the concept of learning theory like to say anything about god you first have to say it incorrectly mm. it's the only way we know yeah. like this is why i have a lot of grace for like theo bros on the internet um no that like want to talk Whoa. about like <laughs> like who us? yeah i was like <laughs> are you talking about us <laughs> me these white dudes who want to talk degrees? about specifically like who was right about the eucharist calvin or luther Oof. i'm like yeah. it's, it's so cringy right but like at the same time you have to start there to to like yeah. be able yeah. to say anything true about god to to say anything not just a like applicable but genuine about god you have to start at a place that is um oversimplistic right oh yeah um and so to have a cataphatic faith i think a really great example of this would be like um a statement that is cataphatic would be like saying god is one which we hear in like so many different faith sure. traditions around the world an apophatic blend onto that truth would be like god is one in three or to have like a trinitarian perspective ah. um which is saying something about God, okay, but it's also saying what God, God is not isn't, one. Yeah. right? Right, exactly. Um, and so you, I mean, we literally cannot have. If we were to be completely apophatic, language wouldn't exist. We would not have language. There would right. be no spoken word, right? right. Yeah. Which right. is so much of like the divide between like Western and Eastern Christianity. It's not a coincidence that it happened around the time of the printing press. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Like specifically like when written word was becoming popular and when people could like um, have semantic arguments <coughs> well, for the first time. Well, the entire great schism of the split is it's based off one fucking one word. word. You're terms. so right. One, one word. 1051. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so... You know, oh, you have to have both, and yeah. it's it's a, uh, yeah. You can't say you can't say anything about God without talking about God incorrectly. Can you can you formulate for us a purely apophatic mm, claim, phrase, sentence? Um. So a lot of people would say like the omnis inherently are like to say, you know, so so much of. Okay, so for example, you would say like omnip omnipresence, mm -hmm. which is God. Tr traditionally, how we've interpreted that is God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. So a more apathetic way of interpreting that would be there's nowhere, there is nowhere where God isn't. Aha, the negation. The negation, right? So it goes back to that negative theology. Um, I think that's fine. To me, the irony there is that, like, if we're really going to talk about a denial of forms, yeah. that's still using a form. 
right? Oh, <laughs> so much, so much apophatic theology is not actually a denial of forms. It's really just systematic theology repackaged. Oh, um, yes. Oh, that's true. Because I guess you could create a package of what God of is exactly. by saying what God is not. Of course. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. So, so uh, something I was actually it's thinking good. about this on our drive today is like, it's so interesting how men and women have done like historically apophatic theology. So many men throughout history have interpreted, it's almost very Gnostic. It's huh. like a, my body, it, you know, you hear a lot of like um, contemplative prayer and centering prayer and all these things, like divination, but it's almost like my body gets in the way mm. of the experience of God. Hmm. Um, and for women, it's almost like an addition of the body. It's very embodied. Um, and I think it's really important to note that like both of those experiences are, um, their forms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but I think like from the man's perspective, like adding a body is a form oh, that they're not always aware that like they are also using their own form, but from like a very masculine, right. Like patriarchal perspective, just yeah. because it's less material doesn't mean it's not a form. Um, so, so when you say form, are you, are you using that in a like abstract construct way yeah. or using that in a way of like rhetoric, like the true mean, the rhetoric meaning of the word form, like an Aristotelian we, form? No, like in true, like rhetoric, the way we form sentences, oh, words oh. and construct language. Yeah. I think more construct in a more constructive way. Um, I'm thinking like how many times I'm sure you guys have been a part of like how many like centering prayer. Oh yeah. Things mm. you've been to. They're sure. all we exactly went, we went fucking to true it. We, yeah. We all yeah. went through. Right? It's, it's all the it? same. Like, Formation group or whatever. There's a yeah. method of right. how you pray. Mm. There's a method yeah. of how you are doing any kind of contemplation. Well, you come from a Wesleyan tradition. There's yeah. Literally method. Method is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like the, but like the approach of centering prayer is like that you would not use um, outside images or thoughts mm. or like anything concrete to distract you from God revealing God's self to you in those moments. Right. Um, and yet like that's exactly what ends up happening because we can't know anything outside of the vacuums that we live in, you know? So yeah. good. Uh, I just want to read a quick definition off the internet. Uh, apophatic theology employs the idea of a qualitative difference, mm. a difference in kind. Maybe we're using the word form here uh, between the human being and the divine. Whereas, cat whereas cataphatic theology or positive theology claims a similarity between the human being and the divine, which makes it possible to achieve knowledge of well, the divine. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Aquinas was the first one to really like put this in words, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Dionysus was okay. like really so, the father okay. of negative theology. So okay. much older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patristic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dionysus, uh, like 400, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it might be earlier than that, but yeah. Um, because this is, um, the, the, so where I got introduced to, um, sorry. Uh, I think where I got introduced to apophatic and cataphatic theology is because of our studies in with Blackwell in patristic theology. Because um, I think isn't Eastern Orthodoxy yes more apophatic, right? M much more apophatic. Like yes. that's a kind of yeah. yeah. Can you do no you late want, fifth, early sixth, so four hundred. Yeah. Okay. okay, yeah. So like um like 
and I think you started with this, like the difference between the Eastern and the Western yeah. kind of theological approach. Can you say more about that? What is it about? And, and sorry, so multi-part question here. Can you say more about that East and West division on the cataphatic um, or the apophatic being more emphasized in the East? Uh, and then like how that fits into your Episcopalian kind of theological system now. Sure. Yeah, so I'm not orthodox, and so I'm sure. hesitant to even like talk like I know. We're all orthodoxy. No, no, no. I mean, confirmed. but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 but no, like I've the orthodox church, like they hold yeah, positions yeah, yeah. on things that I cannot quite wrap my head around, just because I'm in a very different context. Sure, that's but um, from what I understand is it's a very Western concept to talk about knowing God's essence mm. and in the Orthodox church in specifically more like apophatic circles, essence is not something that can be known. Like God is unknowable mm -hmm. to the extent that like we cannot know God's essence. We can know the unmade, I forget the term they use. It's like unmade energy. Okay. Uh, so like an example of that would be like justice Okay. or love. They're very um, abstract concepts that have no hard like they can't they're not made yeah. in, in the same way yeah um and so in in the orthodox tradition love and justice are how we can get glimmers of god's essence yeah i think that um, one of the major differences between like catholicism and the orthodox church is that um Catholics would say that like I can know love and justice and therefore that's how I know God but the Orthodox would even take it further and say like actually you can't even really know love or know justice mm. because those are attributes of God you're experiencing them but you can't know them in their fullness and therefore you can't know God's essence yeah, um, so it's it's more mystical than the Catholic it's tradition very mystical, for sure yeah. you see what's happening her her apathetic position is holding very, very strongly and closely aligned to her transcendent transcendent position about God. God is other than us. Right. If you want to describe Hannah, oh yeah, Hannah Smith. It is God is other than you. And you really struggle to comprehend what God is because God is other than. Yeah. I think that's the most authentic theological position. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's... The, okay, hold on. So relate that to your Episcopalian journey. Yeah, sure. So, I mean... I found the, I always say the Episcopal Church found me. It was not on purpose. I wasn't looking for it. My church was Methodist and we became Episcopal. Yeah, so that's a whole other evolved. thing. It yeah, evolved, yeah, um, yeah. But also like part of that, part of my ending up at this kind of church anyways, that was even like Anglican curious is because of my, Anglican um, curious. my relationship with <laughs> is the- that, Is that what all Episcopalians- is that what all Episcopalians are? It's just Anglican curious. I mean, we are Anglican. <laughs> I know, so the I know, Church I know. Is Anglican, but like the Met a lot of Methodists are Anglican curious. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, so for me, it was a lot of um, praying through the Book of Common Prayer that really, um, like, just caused me to experience God very differently.
Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.